This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode 59. This week, we talk about the hardware and software we use every day, a useful Big O notation site, Build Tour Chicago, and spoiler alert, I mentioned Sidewaffle again. Hey, Carl, how's it going? Pretty good. How about you, Jason? It's going good. So I'm out here in Redmond. My audio definitely is not going to sound as good as it normally sounds. So I am sitting in Studio D, I believe, which I believe is the uh, is where they, they work on the Xbox stuff. So it's kind of interesting walking around. And uh, every other office, somebody's playing a game, and the other offices have Excel spreadsheets and code and things like that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when I first walked in, I didn't realize it was the Xbox building, and I'm like, why is everybody just sitting around playing games? And then it became obvious to me. <laughs> because it's their jobs. Exactly. Okay, so uh, what do we got for feedback? So our first piece of feedback is from Dan Clark. Uh, he said, listening to an MS Dev Show podcast on HoloLens on the way home. Just downloaded Unity now to play with. I wonder how much dev kits will be. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we're wondering as well. Yep. And this week's uh, winner of the Infragistics contest uh, for feedback is Jason Rotello. And mm-hmm. he reached out to us on Twitter. He said, MS Dev Show, thanks for putting together a great podcast. If we cross paths at that conference, I'll buy you guys a beer. Well, we'll both be there. So, yeah. So that sounds good to me. So yeah, we're we're not above taking bribes, although uh, it's no purchase required to enter. <laughs> no, the only thing you need is to reach out to us in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Facebook, iTunes, uh, our website. It seriously doesn't take much to be entered into this. Um, and uh, I, I just checked it up today because I was just kind of curious. How much is the Infragistics uh, full license? And it's two thousand dollars. Yep. To get that. So, I mean, that's a pretty nice thing to get for just saying, hey, guys, you know, exactly. here's here's my feedback. Yeah. And to put that in perspective, I mean, that's we're giving away fifty two thousand dollars worth of software in six months, which is pretty insane. OK, so what do we got for news? So Chicago Build Tour. Yeah. So this week I was able to actually help with the the build tour that came through Chicago, oh, really? which okay. was, which was pretty cool. Um, so uh, just a reminder for people who don't know, I'm a Microsoft MVP. And uh, as an MVP, I was invited to come down and sit and and ask the experts table. So in between the sessions, uh, people could come up and ask uh, some questions. And I will say um, there's some people out there doing some pretty amazing things. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. And just wanted to highlight. I mean, there's only a couple of them left. And if there's one in your area, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Um, They are taking last minute, you know, signups. Okay. And there, there were people who hadn't signed up that they let in. So um, it was probably one of the nicest um, conferences that I've ever been to. It was just really well done. So uh, thanks to Caitlin, who was who's traveling to most of these. She's mm-hmm. been doing an outstanding uh, job. But these are at really interesting venues, too. It's not just your typical, like, you know, hotel conference or something like that. This was at the 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 Field Natural History Museum. In, oh, Chicago, yeah, in, cool in Chicago. And that was just a beautiful building. Yep. I mean, just, Huge. it just really added to the experience. Okay. That's pretty cool. So not, a, not your standard conference venue. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely not. Okay. Now big O cheat sheet. I know we've talked about big O before. Uh, 
Wait, yeah, we're, uh, you know, pretty big on big O, just understanding what, uh, you know, the algorithm that we're working with, you know, you know, how, how good or how terrible is it? You know, what's the best thing to use in a, in a, in a certain place. So, uh, I, and a lot of people think like, oh, this performance, like you're just kind of nitpicking, but this literally means like to be the difference between your application working and not working. <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> From a performance or, standpoint or returning, you know, in a few seconds or hours. Exactly. Exactly. So this is, this is huge. Yeah. So, so this is just one, you know, just one of the ones that lists all the, you know, big algorithms like for sorting and, and stuff like that. And just, and and it just kind of gives you and it color codes them. So it's nice. It's big O cheat sheet.com. So if, if you're looking at the difference between some of them in your code, uh, you might want to check it out. Okay. Pretty cool. And then uh, the next one is actually related to what we're going to be talking about today. So Stack Exchange Developer Desktop Build. So you were saying this is like the default. This is if you work at Stack Exchange, this is what you get by default. Yeah. So, you know, if you work there in a, you know, some sort of creative or development position, uh, you get to basically pick whatever you want. But they kind of have like a reference PC that if they, you know, build it for, you know, it's. You know, this is essentially what they're considering, you know, a very high end PC mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty sweet. And they, they not only list out all the parts, but like all the prices as well. So um, and the desktop stuff is really reasonable. I mean, what's most expensive here? They talk about the Retina MacBook Pro is like fully loaded. Like those things get crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show, you know, um, you know, you know, places like that, that are trying to get top talent, they're giving them the top gear to do what they need to do to get their jobs done. So not yep. saying every place is going to be uh, as generous with equipment, but um, if you are at a place that lets you do something like that, you definitely know that you're in a better spot. Yeah. I've always been a huge advocate of giving the developers whatever they want uh, from a hardware standpoint and, and refreshing it frequently because it's such a small percentage of, of what they get paid and, any productivity increases are, are absolutely worth it. So yeah, it says most of our developers use three 30 inch Dell monitors. That's crazy. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That would, that would be so nice. You can always use more pixels, more pixels, more pixels. Okay. So that's one of the things we're going to be talking about on the show is, is actually like the, the hardware and the software that you and I use. Um, we didn't have a, a guest this week, but we still wanted to make sure that we had some content for you guys. And I know, um, you know, I've talked to people like Jeff Blankenberg and he's put, you know, blog posts out there saying, Hey, here's, here's my setup. And they, they always seem to get a lot of traction. So we figured we talk about the, the stuff that we use, what works, what doesn't. And, uh, yeah. And, and actually right before we get to that, I did want to talk about a, a hack fest that I worked on. It was an internal hack fest here, but I actually put all of my code out on uh, GitHub. So I was talking to you a little bit about this, Carl, but it's basically, um, the, the really, really short description is, is basically using the Microsoft Band to control a PowerPoint presentation. So being able to stand up on stage and actually do gestures, so like waving your arm a certain direction um, at a certain speed, and that will advance or, or make the slides go, go, go back. And I had some people tell me, you know, there was a lot of technical hurdles. I even had the team tell me a couple of things that, that wouldn't work, but we figured out how to get everything to work. We did this in 12 hours. And, uh, and, and we actually got it working very, very well. So basically it's a, it's a phone application. So it's a, it's a windows phone application that connects to your band. It receives the gyroscope data. It processes it with reactive extensions. 
And then it makes a REST call out to an Azure service. And that Azure service powers a, a basically like a task pane app that you would install inside of PowerPoint uh, just through the App Store. And so this is even better than some other remotes because it's not a com ad and it's like a, sort of a native uh, current generation app that you put in there. And once you install those two apps and, and pair them up just using like a four-digit code, you can sit there and gesture and, and actually do next previous on your PowerPoint slide. So I, I demoed that today and, and that, was a, that was a huge, huge hit. So again, that's out in uh, that's out in GitHub. We'll, I'm sure we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But ultimately, I want to get that into the stores, and and I and I'll just make it a free app. And of course, it's all open source. But uh, yeah, I was just hacking away. I, I thought it was something pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. You'll definitely have to bring it up on the show when it's out in the store. Yeah, definitely. And I, I you know, it was fun being able to to play with the the band and getting that that live telemetry data. It was fun playing with REST and SignalR with Azure. And then also actually building out an Office 365 app because uh, these things they are getting more and more powerful every day. And these are these are there's actually going to be a huge market for these applications. So um, yeah, I, you're gonna you're gonna see this over the next year. Office 365 um, the add-ins are going to be huge, and they work across you know like iPad, the, you know the phone, um, so all the tablet versions, the phone versions, all of those. But anyway, let's get into let's get into the hardware. So. I sort of intentionally didn't look at your list ahead of time, Carl, so that you can walk me through this. So, like, what uh, what do you use? Like, what's your main machine? So, <clears throat> my main machine I built about a year ago. I had all of the parts uh, still saved in my Newegg and Amazon uh, histories. So, mm-hmm. I have, I'll have links to these all in the show. I'm not going to get too detailed. Right. But, um, I know you had built a PC about a year before that, mm-hmm. and I kind of... Use that as a basis, but obviously some things there weren't, and other things, um, you know, had gotten bumped up in the meantime. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm I'm using a 240 uh, gigabyte SSD as my main, you know, OS and uh, application install disk, yeah. and then I have a terabyte media disk. And okay, I, I don't store a whole lot of media. I know some people, you know, do media server stuff. I I don't. So mm-hmm. for me, that's plenty. Okay. Um, one of the the things I did have to uh, make a compromise on is I my motherboard supports uh, 32 gigs of RAM, but I went with 16 because a year ago RAM prices were just insane. Yeah, and what was interesting is is actually since I built mine, the RAM prices have gone up. Yeah, so they had my tripled. Build, yeah, exactly. So what I did. Uh, each 16 gig uh, grouping of RAM when I purchased it was $50. So I, I actually just went ahead and put 32 gigs in it right off the bat. But then I remember when you were building it, the, the prices had gone, yeah, they, they had tripled. And so I think 16 gigs was was the right choice there. Yeah. And uh, for the processor, it's, you know, for me, a, a developer, obviously an i7. But one of the mm-hmm. things that I did want is I did want a little bit lower uh, power draw. So I went with the, the 65, 65 watt version of it. Okay. And, and I know that was one of the goals with yours is, you know, this wasn't Absolutely. just to be like a ridiculously overpowered for the sake of being overpowered, but giving you as much power as you need, but mm-hmm. still being as efficient as possible. Exactly. Because I, I leave my computer on 24-7 because it's performing various tasks. But what people don't realize, I know people who have like the first generation i7 and that thing used, you know, four or five, six times as much power as as the as the current generation. And normally you don't care in a desktop, but the way I look at it, 
um, the kind of the rule of thumb that I always do, and, and eventually this is going to come out of date. Uh, but where I live, my rule of thumb is for every watt is basically a dollar per year. And I know my original i7 build was, I think it was pulling 300 watts at idle. So that was basically $300 per year just to have it sitting there doing nothing. Um, so yeah, that's definitely important because I think my new build, I think I've hooked it up and it's uh, somewhere on 40 or 50 watts at idle. That's a huge uh, so that, difference. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically saving, you know, 200, 250 bucks a year. And a lot of people don't realize that. You might be able to use that to actually justify building a new machine. Okay. And then you have, so you picked a, an ASRock for your motherboard. I've had really good luck with those. Yeah. I, I've had quite a few people recommend that brand to me. And then I just kind of went off the checklist of I wanted an integrated chipset because I didn't want to buy uh, a video card. Mm-hmm. Uh, which further reduces the power that I need. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a huge difference. The, the built-in graphics are actually pretty good on these processors now, and they pull very, very little power. I mean, you're not going to be doing any kind of high-end gaming with them, but, but they, yeah, they, they do a great job. Yeah. And I also wanted a ton of USB 3 ports, so that was like the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I love USB 3. I know it's not out on a lot of devices yet, but I just want to be prepared for wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely and I, I got Nantech uh, black mid tower ATX computer case uh, it's nice it was just fairly inexpensive it was like $40, $45 and okay. it, it has uh, you know spots for routing your cables so it's nice and clean it's just got a nice big interior plenty of fans that you can turn on and off high and low speeds each as you want uh, okay. it's got yeah. a uh, on everywhere where you have an intake, it has a filter. So, you know, it it goes longer between having to clean it out to get that dust out of your machine. And in fact, I just did that about a week ago. And uh, it was it was nice just, you know, having to pull the, the cover off, clean out the filter and then just kind of lightly go over the rest of the machine. Yeah, I should probably do that at some point. I've never cleaned out the filter. That's the only problem with the filter is remembering yeah. to clean it. Yeah, and and, and I'm huge on uh, cleaning out my uh, my PCs because um, I had gotten a call from somebody that says my computer doesn't work anymore, and uh, they had so much dust built up that a fire started in their power supply. Oh boy! So, yeah, that's that's bad. So I mean, it doesn't have to be very often. You know, every six to nine months is about when I do it, and that's not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, I got from, uh, where, when we used to work together, uh, we had the Logitech HD pro C920 webcams and, uh, mm-hmm. they're just amazing webcams. Um, I highly Absolutely. recommend that to everybody. They're high def of, uh, they have built in hardware, um, encoding in them. Um, I, I, I can't yeah, recommend it the, enough. Yeah. That's the camera you need to do like 1080p video over Skype. And they, they will absolutely do it. And it, it looks like, it looks like a window basically whenever you do that. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, I think my next two choices are, are things I'm, I'm kind of opinionated at. And I think I, I disagree with a lot of people out there. I know people love their mm-hmm. wireless mouse and keyboards. I'm all about the wired mouse and keyboards now. Um, uh, I, 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 do. I, I just can't stand, you know, right when you need it most, the batteries fail and then you never have that kind of battery. And it's, not a work PC where I could just go to somewhere in the office and pick out from the stash. Uh, so yeah, do you, um, so I have a question on that. Do you, um, when was the last time that you tried 
you know, a battery powered mouse and keyboard. So I've uh, the keyboard that I had before this one was the same model, but the wireless version. And I really love the keyboard, but I just wanted it to be wired. So that was about two years ago. Yeah, and the keyboard, you, I mean, usually you don't move your keyboard much. If you're trying to like clean up your desk, it might not be an issue. But yeah, I, I as well switched to a wired keyboard. Um, seemed to be really no disadvantage to that. See, the and other I have, a, I have a wired mouse. The other thing that you get, though, with being a wired keyboard is I love the illuminated keyboards. And oh, you can yeah, have absolutely. the you can have the options of them being lit up all the time. Mm-hmm. So that is if you're wireless, it's only going to light up, you know, for a few seconds after you're done typing. So I have the Logitech Illuminated keyboard, and that's the K740. I think they might have a newer one out by now, but I absolutely love this keyboard. If I have a chance, I will make an employer buy this for me if they. it's even a remote option. It, it's it's not too pricey. It's about $80, uh, which for some people it might be. But um, it has a really nice key feel, a fairly short travel of, uh, of the key. I'm not into the mechanical keyboards. I have the code keyboard. Uh, that's on my other PC that's in the basement that I don't use, but you know, I bought it cause I thought it'd be awesome. I wanted to check it out and I'm just not impressed with the, those mechanical keyboards very much. Yeah. And then, uh, to match it, I have, uh, mouse wise, the Razer Abyssus optical PC gaming mouse. This is the lowest end gaming mouse that Razer makes and okay. it's just rock solid. What I've had on other mice is, um, the buttons, uh, actually wear out uh, because there's so many it's just cheap plastic and and this one i think is still plastic but for a gaming mouse they've designed it because your uh gamers tend to just mash those buttons hard and that's what i like about buying gaming mice is they're designed to just take abuse yep and the other thing i didn't think i'd like is it has uh, a, a slider on the bottom for you to adjust the dpi so you can make it so you just twitch a little bit and it'll fly across the screen or you could just really slow it down. You can move it a lot and it barely moves for really precision things. And I don't really change that a lot, but it's nice having that option. Okay, cool. Anything else you want to mention about the desktop? Um, the, the other thing is, you know, something people don't think of their, you know, their power strip or surge protector. I right. always buy the, the power squid. So essentially what you have, instead of just having a strip where all the outlets are right next to each other on a you know set of plastic, is it has mini extension cords coming out. And that way, you, you know that if you have like a huge brick, it's not going to block like two other ports that's okay. around. It's not it. too expensive either. I was no. kind of surprised. Yeah, it's less than 20 bucks for this and it's got five outlets on it. No. So that, that's my main desktop. Um, I didn't I'm not going to put it on the list, but I do have uh, two monitors. One's a 24 inch uh, Dell mm-hmm. and the other is a 19 inch Dell that I've rotated vertically. I'm a huge fan of vertical monitors, as I've mentioned before on the show. Um but it's frustrating that you can't buy them so that the pixels are natively vertical. Yeah. That's something that people don't realize. And, and even after I explain it to them, I, I don't think they really believe me because you the pixels on your screen on your monitor are horizontal, yeah. but each pixel is made up of, you know, RGB and they're, they're sideways. So yeah, when you turn it vertical, it ends up, you know, it's getting better now that we're higher resolution, but on the lower resolutions, the, it actually yeah. changes the way the text looks. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, I think most people don't care because they don't have a use for it. They're just used to it being horizontal, and that's the way it's always going to be for them. Yep. But I, I think in our field, um, documentation, a lot of that's a very vertical format. Code is a very vertical format. Um, so for me, it just makes sense to have a vertical monitor uh, you know, optimized for that kind of workflow. 
Also, also, it's also great for putting up like a, a, a Twitter uh, client. That's generally very vertical as well. So, I, you know, for the way that I work, it, it works well for me doing that. Okay. And then uh, what about your travel computer? What do you use? So I have a Surface Pro 3, uh, the i5, 8 gigabyte RAM, 256 gigabyte SSD version. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only things that I carry that, you know, I do carry the stylus with it. You know, it has that attached. And I have the Arc Touch Mouse Surface Edition. And I carry that in uh, what's the Inatech Surface Pro 3 protective carrying sleeve. Uh, and what's that has a... It feels like it's made out of wool and it's gray and it's right. just it's just really nice and stylish and I can slide my surface in there and not worry about it at all. Perfect. Yeah, I have something similar, but I'll talk about that when when I'm up. OK, anything else you want to talk about on Service Pro 3? No, I, I, I try to keep uh, my travel stuff as light as possible. And yeah. it's just sometimes nice having that ex- an extra mouse. And I just love that you take that mouse and you just bang it flat. I've, I've had the previous versions of the Microsoft mice that do that. And I. I think that's just, you know, they've got a really solid product line going there with those mice. Yeah, my, you know, my Surface Pro 3 with the keyboard, with the power supply, in the case, I think with the mouse, I want to say is still lighter than a, a vanilla uh, MacBook Air, <laughs> which is which is really amazing. Like you mentioned, getting getting really light for the bag, that, that makes a big difference. It helps with your neck and your back, and it's, it's a big deal to me as well. Okay, so what else do you got? So um, other things that I generally carry around with me, especially if it's going to be for something like a conference or something, is I carry an external battery charger. So uh, the one that I currently have is made by PNY, and it's 7,800 milliamp hours, and it has a 2.4 amp port and a 1 amp port. Um, it's nice. It has it has a brushed aluminum outside to it, uh, but it also has an LCD screening on there to tell you how much power is left. Um, oh, it's, it's, nice. it's got a lot of power to it. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty good size. Um, the one thing yeah. that I would like to replace it with, and I'm just not going to because it's not out there. But if you're looking at buying something you uh, to give you an alternative, uh, I've really fallen in love with Anchor as a brand. They have some really high quality stuff and they have a twenty five thousand six hundred <laughs> milliamp hour, three port, four amp portable charger. That is so insane. if you just need a ton of power. And it's, it's something that'll charge it fast. Yeah. So the capacity, they have some capacity numbers here. iPhone 6, it will charge it 10 times. Uh, Galaxy S5, 6 charges. iPad mini 3, it'll charge it two and a half times. That is absolutely insane. This thing has to be heavy, though. I, I am, I'm sure it is. But yeah. uh, what when I mine dies or whatever. One, it's one pound. Yep. Yeah. It's it's 80 bucks. So it's pretty pricey. Whereas the other one was in the range of, I don't know exactly like 25 or something like that, or maybe 30, but um, it's definitely nice to have that portable power on you. Uh, I know when I'm at conferences or just the way I tend to use my phone more, which drains it more. And it's nice not having to worry. Am I going to run out of juice? Okay. Um, So the next item is if it's work related and I might have to, be on some sort of call. I like bringing with me um, a Jabra Speak 410 USB speakerphone. This thing is just a little puck that plugs into your computer, and I use Link, and it's optimized to do with uh, do it. So it's a speaker and microphone in one. Uh, it's really nice if there's going to be multiple people. Uh, you yeah, know, it's with loud. you, it's got capacitive buttons. Because uh, I know 
And I, you know, when we worked together, we we had tried two different versions of this thing. There was the Java Java one, and there's the Plantronics, and they're both a hundred bucks. And the Plantronics one is absolute crap. <laughs> so, whereas the Jabra is just amazing. So, well, the Plantronics one may be absolute crap. My next item, my Bluetooth headset, is the Plantronics Voyager Legend, and that's okay. probably the best headset Bluetooth headset I've ever used. Um, it plugs it into multiple things. It's got a oh, pretty yeah, good battery life. Ear. Okay, yeah. cool. I've been looking at this one. It is pricey. Yeah, it's. I think it's about a hundred bucks. Hundred and thirty-five on Amazon. I think you can get them for a hundred. Okay. Um, and the last thing is, and this is just in general, both with my desktop and whatever, I can't stand slack in my USB cords. I don't like them dangling and coiling and stuff. So I have a ton of USB cables, a lot of them really short. So I'm talking about, I have a lot of six, six inch cables, a lot of one foot cables. And just, you know, if I need something, I'll try to get as close to the size as the distance it needs. So that's something oh, I, cool. I, I yeah. recommend. And once again, um, you know, I mentioned before that uh, Anchor uh, for that battery charger, they make really excellent USB cables as well. Oh, yeah. I see one foot cables you can get from them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's handy. I think uh, yeah, the one I keep in my bag is actually a one footer. Yeah, you're right. It's really, really nice for traveling. Yeah, but I, I tend to keep a lot of six inch ones with me, too. So, OK. And then uh, do you want to talk about your phone? Yeah. Phones, I should say. Well, <laughs> well, it's just phone, but it's like the accessories that come with it too. So right. uh, I've mentioned before, I'm not going to go into too much detail that I have the HTC one M eight for windows. I, you know, it's been a while since there's been a flagship and this one still feels like a brand new flagship. It's really nice. Um, I also have the dot view case for it. It's nice. It's doesn't add a whole lot of thickness and it protects the screen, uh, which I really like. And I have it in a bright orange and I like having bright phones. So that helps. Because otherwise it's a metallic phone. Yeah. Um. It takes a micro USB or a micro SD card, so I keep a 64 gig one in there, so I can keep a bunch of media on it. Yeah, that's great. Um. And then w- one of the things I do if I'm going to listen to music, I want something. Uh. I, I I like to punch it up and make sure it's clean. So I in my bag I keep a portable headphone amplifier, uh, a FIO E11K, uh, and that's something that I. I learned about from uh, our friends at codingblocks.net. Um, one of them is really into audio and he recommended that for me. And with that, I keep a really short three inch cable to connect the phone to that device. Once again, keeping it as short as possible. So I'll keep that in my bag. And when I want to listen to good music, I'll, I'll use that headphone amp. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even think I didn't even list my headphones, but we'll, we'll have to talk about those. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second, and I want to talk about Infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know, sell your ideas. 
Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. Anything else on your list? Uh, not, not for hardware. And, you know, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but that's the stuff that I know I use all the time. Okay. Yeah, maybe we should maybe we should go through my hardware and then we'll then we'll jump in the software. Yeah. How's that sound? Um, so my list is not quite as complete as yours, but you did, you did a really good comprehensive job. So I, I can kind of walk through mine. So yeah, I had, I had done a build, uh, a few, a few years ago, actually, I, I have a, a blog post about it. So it was March 14th of 2013. So that's starting to be, I mean, that's over two years ago now, um, which is, which is pretty crazy. So mine is the Ivy bridge. I know yours is the, is the Haswell. So yours is a, a newer generation, but I have all the prices and everything out there. Um, but yeah, I went with the 32 gigs of RAM. I think we have the same processor speed. We're at both about like three and a half gigahertz. Like, I, which these days, like, I, you can, I can't even tell the difference. I mean, it, realistically, and and the processor speeds haven't changed like dramatically when you're only switching one series. Um, one thing I do, or I should say, a couple things that I do. I, I always try to use really high quality components whenever I b- build a machine, and that's really the difference between building a machine and buying, you know, like an HP off the rack. I mean, you open up an HP and you take out the power supply. Those things weigh, you know, like the power supply will weigh three pounds. Um, whereas like the, you know, I have a Seasonic power supply in mine and that thing probably weighs, you know, 10 pounds. Um, and you look, you look in the kind of the air gaps on it and you can tell it's super beefy. Plus I, the, the power supply about this time is actually a modular one. So I only have to hook up the cables that I actually use, which is really cool. So you don't have extra wires hanging off the power supply. Um, and I always like to have a, a really good uh, CPU fan because, again, we talked about power usage. The bigger the fan uh, and, the, and the better the, the cooling on the CPU, the slower that fan can go. Um, I think I typically have it on, like, the lowest possible speed. So my, my, my PC is, is silent, uh, generates almost no heat, which is really nice. It's, all, it's nice in the summer as well. Uh, let's see here. Case, you know, I just the cheapest case I can find. That's just how I am. Um, so actually, my list here shows a crucial 128 gig hard drive, but I've since upgraded that. So I actually went out and I bought a Samsung 850 Pro, which if you look, um, the Samsung drives are very highly reviewed these days. Uh, a lot of people go out and they buy like the 850 Evo. And that one, I think, is like 100, 150 bucks cheaper than than the one that I bought. But the, the thing is, you know, like with, with the jobs that you and I have, Carl, I mean, you're sitting there banging on that SSD all day. So the, the 850 Pro is designed uh, to be, to first of all, handle, you know, higher read writes and, and a, just a bigger duty cycle. So mine actually has a 10-year warranty on it. Um, it's a half terabyte. It's got um, the benchmarks on it are, are slightly better. But basically, I just I just bought the the heavy duty tool. You know, it's funny whenever we look at the stuff and we say, "Oh, geez, you know that that hard drive is it's a hundred bucks more. Maybe I'll just get the Evo." But the thing is, we're sitting. You know, it's kind of like a bed or a chair, right? You're you're using it eight hours a day. 
um, or more, right? So I, I just, I opted to, to upgrade that and make sure that I had a, had a really good one. Uh, so that's my desktop building. It's got, um, I have two 24 inch monitors hooked up that are the, you know, the 2560 by the 1440 resolution. So real high resolution, tons of real estate. That's, uh, that's really important to me. Um, surface, I have a surface pro three. I actually have the exact same model that you have. And I use that for travel. And like you said, that thing is, is super light. I actually have the exact same mouse. Uh, that goes flat, which ends up working out really good because I can pop it right into the same case that the surface goes into. So there's times when I'm out here, like at the Microsoft campus, and I can actually just carry this thing around with the mouse. And I have a, I have a, I have actually have a neoprene case, so I have a little bit different case than you have, and uh, and it works real good. I can even keep the pen on this thing and the keyboard. I put it in the case, have my mouse with me, and I'm all set. And battery lasts, you know, in, in many cases all day. So. It works pretty good. And that's actually what I'm recording on right now. Um, one kind of interesting thing I have, I'm going to have to find a link to the exact model that I have, but um, I saw this at CES a few years ago. It's called Grid It. And it's this, this uh, it's basically like this uh, flat, uh, this, this flat thing that has, uh, it has like 20 um, elastic bands on it. And the idea is that you can put your cables in there. You can put, um, you know, just I have pretty much everything in there, all my adapters for, for the surface, all of that kind of stuff. I put right on the grid it and it holds everything securely. It's So it's essentially really it's for cool your thing. accessories and you tuck them underneath the elastic bands and they're woven. So you can yep. kind of just tuck them in any way, you know, to accommodate different size things. Yeah. Exactly. And I get so many comments on this because I what I end up doing, I pull out the surface and then I end up pulling out the grid, it, which is basically like every accessory that's in my bag. And I just sit that down there and they're just like, wow, you're really well prepared, you know, because I don't just have this mangled mess of, of, of wires sitting in my bag. So I, I really, really like that thing. It adds a little bit more weight, but I think it's worth it. Um, another thing I always keep in there, too, is a, is a microfiber cleaning cloth. And, uh, you know, for this for the Surface Pro 3, having a touchscreen um these things are like magic. Like I've used like wet yep. claws and things like that. Do you have one of these? Yeah. And, and I, I wanted to elaborate on this because as soon as I saw yeah. it on your list just now, um, yeah, I, I carry one too, but it's not like your eyeglasses one. These, these are kind of like, they look like little loops are coming off of the fabric. So it's, yep. it's really thick and beefy and you can take in, in most cases, just one or two swipes and it's completely clean. So this does like magic. It, they are really good and they're a lot larger. So I know mine is probably like a foot by a foot. Yep. So, exactly. um, so they're big. You can, you can just swipe over your screen and essentially two swipes and it's all clean and you're back in business. Exactly. Um, and then I have, of course my Microsoft band and I know you have one as well. Um, so I wanted to make sure I got that on the list. I think, um, uh, you know, I've talked about it a lot before in the show, but basically being able to get those notifications, from my phone is, is huge. That is, that is just such a big deal. And, and it's funny cause whenever uh, you read like reviews, you know, the Apple watch is really like the big one, but there's also like the, the Android wear devices. Um, whenever you read through the reviews, I mean, it, the, the killer feature on all of these things is, is basically the notifications. And I think the band does an amazing job at that without being uh, too intrusive. I mean, the, the, the Apple watch, I keep looking at it and the thing is, is so thick. Um, you know, it's, it's just this giant, giant wart that's on there and the, and the band isn't, isn't the smallest thing in the world, but, uh, but it gets the job done for, for notifications, uh, for phones. I always, um, so the two that I pretty much always carry with me, I have the iPhone six plus and the Lumia six thirty five, 
and that lets me cover you know I can basically carry with me um, all the apps that that Microsoft makes there's a lot of um, you know, like on the iPhone 6 Plus, there's a lot of the, the recent Office apps that are going to be shipping with Windows 10 are already available on there, which is pretty cool. And then, of course, I get OneDrive and Power BI and Outlook and uh, Sunrise and a lot of these recent acquisitions all on that device. And then the 635, I use that quite a bit for Windows Phone development whenever I need to, to, to use that. Um, it's just a nice light device. I picked it up for 40 bucks actually, which is just absolutely insane how inexpensive that thing is. And then I also have a Moto G and I, I made the mistake of, I bought one that I don't think it's GSM, but it's not the, the AT&T band. So it's, it's sort of an oddball Moto G. So it doesn't have the latest version of Android, which was the whole thing I was looking for. Um, so I think I picked this thing up for like 80 bucks, but, um, if you do end up getting one of these, um, you know, low-end Moto or Motorola devices, you got to be really careful. Uh, make sure you get the right edition. Um, one thing I wanted to point out too, that uh, that I think is absolutely absolutely essential, and I, I can't live without this now. Um, in in both of my vehicles, I have I go out to ProClipUSA.com, and they actually make. Uh, mounts for your vehicles that are specific to that vehicle. So like I just, I got a, um, I have a 2015 Mustang and the, the plastic piece that, that snaps into it, it snaps right into, into the factory design. It doesn't really cover anything up and it, it is so secure. It's just ridiculously secure. And then we have a, a minivan as well. And, and again, it's, it, they, they custom designed a piece of plastic that snaps right into place and and holds the you can then you you put a phone holder on there and they have a custom phone holder for pretty much any phone that you can get and also some generic versions you pair those two things together and basically when i sit down in a vehicle i just pop the phone in and it's within viewing range because i run uh, i typically run ways uh which is nice uh for traveling it, it reroutes you around traffic i mean it's better than any kind of uh, built-in gps that you're going to get so that's really important um, recently, I also got the, you know, you talked about the Anchor, or I don't know if it's Anchor or Anchor, I don't know how to pronounce that name, uh, but I bought, um, I've actually bought a couple of their chargers now. So the one I bought for the vehicles is the, it's a four port charger and every port can put, I think, out to 10 watts. So this thing will charge tablets, phones, whatever. And if you're ever traveling anywhere, you know, with a family like me, I mean, I have five people and we typically have, you know, five plus devices in the, in the vehicle. <laughs> This, this really comes in handy and it will even charge like our Dell venue pro or the, the uh, pro venue eights or whatever the order that is on there. Um, most chargers will not charge those devices, but the, the anchor devices or the anchor devices will charge anything. They're, they're just absolutely incredible. And the build quality is just out of this world. Um, I have the same webcam that you have. Um, another really useful thing that I have that's actually super expensive is a ScanSnap S1500. Um, I, that's an old model. I think there's a new version of it. So you might think I'm crazy for buying a $400 scanner, uh, but this thing is like a life-changing scanner. So what ends up happening, I'm sure you get this where you get, you know, it, it, you, you never get the digital copies of these, right? You get this, you get your insurance policy in the mail. I get, I get like a 50-page document, you know, double-sided, or if you get a mortgage, they give you like those legal-sized documents. You can actually take that entire stack, you pop it in the scanner, you push the button, it will convert them to PDF. It can even do things like OCR, but it scans both sides simultaneously and creates a PDF. And then I just threw it in the OneDrive, which gives me unlimited storage. And that's actually pretty awesome. 
So basically any, any mail that I get, any statements, any documents, all get scanned in and digitized. And this, if, if, I, if I had to use like a flatbed scanner or something like that, I, it would never happen. Um, one other thing I want to mention, headphones. So I, I travel a lot on a plane. So the headphones that I bought are the, um, what brand are they? Let me take a look here. They are the ATH, ATH M50X. They are um, the Audio Technicas. And uh, I'm actually using them right now. That's why I had to look and I had to double double check the uh, <laughs> the brand that I was using. But these things sound absolutely amazing. And they don't do noise cancellation because that makes me sick. But they, um, like literally, not figuratively. And uh, <laughs> they, they, they cut out a lot of the background noise. And they sound absolutely phenomenal. Like you haven't heard music until you've listened to these headphones. Um, anything I missed, Carl, or you had questions about? Um, that was a decent rundown. Yeah. And, and I'd like to just vouch uh, again, because it's such an amazing product that pro clip USA. Um, yeah, I had that in my car, which I recently sold. I, I left it in there. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, it's Mount, you know, it's per- only good for that car. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, but it, only that half. So I, I did leave the generic, uh, you know, I did have a few specific, uh, mounts for specific phones, but I left the generic mount in there for the next owner. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing uh, device and it's great. Like if you, you know, want to have GPS up and you can just always have it there. If you don't have that built into your car. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I it's d- going to cost you a hundred bucks, right? I mean, this, this yeah. stuff isn't cheap. It's probably, you're probably going to end up uh, putting a hundred dollars worth of stuff in your cart. But it is absolutely worth it. Yeah. It is. It's you know. I, I actually bought one that also attaches the windshield for when I travel. And what I found is the phone kind of wobbles around, and it's not good. These things, like it, they're just they're built so incredibly well. And again, you put in your exact model of car, and the mount is for your specific model. This is not generic in any any way whatsoever. Yeah. So next, we we're going to talk about software that we use. Sure, sure. So what do you use? So the first one is a little bit unobvious, I think, but Pandoc, I've mentioned that on the show before. It's a universal document converter. So we use that to create the show notes first and foremost. So um, we export it from OneNote and it gets into an HTML format, which I use Pandoc, which I automate with PowerShell. Um as soon as that HTML file is formatted, automatically gets converted into Markdown. And our website, uh, which is uh, DocPad, uh, takes Markdown for blog posts. Yeah, yeah. This but, tool is—it's like a just Swiss Army knife but of converters. It, it, it's just great because you know, in, in PowerShell, you just do pandoc i and you give it the whatever path is to your file. So whatever dot doc if it's a word doc and you can convert and you do a dash o for output and whatever you want to rename it to and it uses the extension that you rename it to to figure out like oh it's dot txt we're going to convert this to text html it's we're going to do html um so it's it's just super simple to use um but some of the other great uses that we've had for it is um in, in for documentation uh we needed to generate for software we needed to generate pdfs uh, for people to use it. And we wanted to keep, you know, the, a version history of it and PDFs don't, you know, they're binaries in, in version control. So you can't do that. But what was nice is we were able to, uh, write our documentation in Markdown, which does, uh, look good in 
version control history, you can see, oh, he added this line or modified that or deleted this stuff. And then as part of the build process, we just had uh, PowerShell uh, execute Pandoc and uh, generated all those docxes for us. Uh, and uh, we could just uh, uh, not look at those when we're checking in our stuff in the source control. So um, it's a really good solution for other things like that. So you can get really creative with this tool. Yeah, very cool. Okay, what and, else you got? So like I said, I, I really like Markdown. So I use Markdown Pad too. And I know you use something else, but uh, we'll get to that later. Um, I also use Notepad++. Um, in particular, there's two add-ons that I always add. Uh, JS Tool, which has some really good uh, JSON um, tree uh, you know, viewing to just kind of break that apart a little bit more. And I also use the XML tools. Like if you get a string of just nasty XML, or not necessarily nasty, but it's just all in one line, It'll it'll uh, pretty print that in a little separated out by lines as it as you would format that you know nicely in a you know in a tool editor. Okay, that's pretty cool. So that's nice, and that's all built in and free with Notepad plus plus. Um, the next piece of software is Slack. I use the Slack for Windows uh, client, but they also have web version, Mac version, Android version. Um, we use it at at work. Actually, uh, I work for a consulting company, so we use it both at. A consulting company and my client and uh, there's a few other external public groups that i have and it's just one of the main ims that i have up and going i, I really enjoy using slack so yeah and for people that aren't familiar with it i mean people there, there's different you have different teams and then you have different groups within there that you can chat and it's got it's got a lot of it, it just they they it's very well executed i would say yeah um next is for for my personal computer, I use uh, Visual Studio 2015, um, the release candidate entirely. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the plugins I use is Web Essentials, uh, the multilingual app toolkit. If you're doing any kind of native mobile work with uh, Windows or Windows Phone, um, really look at uh, adding multilingual support. It's a lot easier than you think. And even if you don't know languages, this toolkit will help you get going with that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, another, uh, plugin I use is the Mindscape web workbench. Um, I really like SAS and, uh, the web essentials, they remove their, uh, their compiling components for SAS. They still support like the syntax highlighting and, and all that stuff. But, um, Mindscape does my SAS compiling for me. Okay. And then of course, just to get it and yet another episode Sidewaffle. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's the plugins I use for Visual Studio. I also use for uh, my Twitter client, Tweedium. Um, I really like Tweedium um, because it syncs what I've already read between my different clients. So if I read up, okay. if I read up to a certain tweet on one device, I put it down, I can jump over to another client on another device and I pick up right where I left off. So that tweets again, and, and I do pay for the, I, I think he calls it the premium features. So the in-app purchase that he has, yep. um, it's good for, I think, six months and you just rebuy it twice a year. Well worth it. Um, it also gives you multiple accounts. And um, I not only have my own account, but I uh, do like 99% of the tweeting for the show as well. So it just lets me quickly, um, there's nice, you tap on the picture, you select your other account and you see everything as if you were just that user. So it's a really right. nice interface for that as well. 
Yep. I was wondering how you did that. Yep. And I can respond to people pretty quick because of that, because I get notifications for both at the same time. Okay. So the next one is something I learned from you, Jason buffer. Yep. And, uh, what had happened otherwise is I would get all these news articles and I'd be like, retweet, 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 or, you know, tweeting them out originally, but they'd be all spaced together. And then you wouldn't see me for a day. And uh, that's kind of annoying for people because they just get like a flood of stuff. So as a way to space that out, Buffer is uh, something that's free for individuals where you can say, add this to my queue and it'll tweet it out at a specified time ranges that you specify. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but it, if you have something like a link shortening service like Bitly, um, it'll incorporate that in too for your account. So then you can also get like analytics through Bitly. So, you know, track who clicked what and how often. So you see like, oh, this was popular. And some sometimes that's how we pick the news for the show is some of the stuff that I've retweeted over the week will be like, wow, this got a lot of attention. People are interested in. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. That buffer is amazing. And I was actually just, I did a, a lightning round talk talking about, um, you know, being, being public by default. And one of the things that I talked about was using this extension. And, uh, so, you know, that was, I told this to about 150 people. And I said that I used to think that timeliness was the most important thing. So being able to sort of report the news as it's breaking, but what's more important is visibility. So if something happens at 3 a.m. and tweeting about it at 3 a.m., um, you know, in some cases that that has an advantage, but in most cases, if it's just a, a piece of like technology news, as an example, it's actually better to get more visibility and let people see that. Um, and that's useful because I go on Twitter and sometimes if you've, if you've missed something, uh, it's just gone. Like you just don't even know that you missed it. So spreading those out is, is huge. And, and also buffer makes the uh, tweeting experience. It makes it easier to actually tweet something because it 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 grabs the title of the page and it's a, a nice extension instead of having to do a copy and paste and all that. So it's it actually adds a lot of value because it's easier and it's better. There's really no downside to it. Yep, and like you said, that Chrome extension is just really awesome. It really adds or streamlines the workflow it takes to get a tweet out. Yep. Um. So another part of the news gathering thing, I, I do get a lot of the news. From what I see off of Twitter, I've kind of curated the people that I follow to be, you know, a lot of the people who just generate, you know, or, or highlight some of those really good news articles that I don't have a chance to get to. And uh, what I do is when I see something like that, I may not read every, you know, every single one, but I use reading lists for Windows and Windows Phone to, um, you know, to tuck that away for later. And mm-hmm. then uh, as I have a chance, um, then I'll go back and read them. And if I, if I like them, then I'll add them to our show notes or something. And uh, what's uh, really cool about that as well is reading list allows you to tag things. So I essentially have um, two tags. I've deleted all the default ones and I have one called buffer and one called bot podcast. And when I put okay. things into the buffer one, that's meant for me to add to buffer later. So basically I'll click on the link. It'll show up in Chrome I'll read through it, make sure it is something quality, and then I'll click the buffer extension and uh, add some hashtags, maybe a reference to who originally notified me of it, and it's off in the bucket. If it's something for the podcast, I'll copy that over to OneNote. Okay. So that's really my key of curating the internet for the various things that I do for Twitter and for the show here without adding a whole lot of extra work to it. Because I know a lot of people, you know, they see what I do and they're like, man, that must take a lot. And I'm like, 
It should, no, I, but it doesn't. I get, I get, I get the same thing, and it's all about just optimizing the workflow. Once you do that, it does not have to take a lot of time per day. And the thing is, I want to stay on top of this stuff anyway. So sharing it, if if it's only an extra ten percent of my time, um, or uh, you know, of the time that it took me to actually get all of this information, it's worth that extra ten percent to share it with everybody else. It's really important. Mm-hmm. And uh, for password management, I use LastPass. I pay the $12 a year, $1 a month for the mobile access, for the mobile apps, and it is more than worth it. Um, yeah, I, I pay as well. I use it to generate my passwords, so they're all unique and crazy. And uh, if if somebody has, like, like we only accept 12 characters, well, then I modify it on the fly for them. And it's <laughs> it, it, you hate that? It, if I had to... Um, remember them myself, I would have like three passwords and I'd probably use one of them for 90% of everything. Yeah. And this actually does, it can actually do like password hygiene testing. It will tell you, you know, if you have bad passwords on existing sites, um, it'll sort of automatically pick up if you've changed a password or created a password on a site. And now they've recently added a feature and I haven't done this because it seems a little scary to me, but can actually go through a whole bunch of different sites and um, change your password for you. But the biggest thing for me is the, the auto login. So I have it set up on a lot of sites to just automatically log in. So in the morning, I'll have Chrome open up, I think, about 16 tabs. And some of those require logins. And LastPass will automatically, in the background, get me logged in. So when I get to that tab and, and want to you know, look at the information, I'm already logged in. It's, it's so handy. Yeah, and one that I actually, uh, an app that I just thought of that I use all the time um, that I didn't mention here is Paint.net. Um, oh, yeah. Paint.net is a great free tool that uh, for those that don't have Photoshop or something like that, you can get, you know, a tiny portion of, of the features that Adobe offers for that, that, but uh, you're not going to use most of them anyways. So for somebody who's not into that high end um, kind of photo editing or image editing stuff, but you still need like layers and, you know, fancy lassoing and, you know, just figuring out how to get some of those better image editing tools, uh, it's just, there's no better thing that's free. Yeah, I, I wish it was just built into Windows and would just replace Paint. That would be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. Yep. Okay, should I go through my list? Yep. Okay, so mine's pretty close to yours. There's, you know, so my you, you've made my life a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I do have Markdown Pad installed on my various machines, but I have run into some issues with it. Uh, my Surface Pro 3 is a little crazy right now because it's got, you know, experimental builds of, of Windows 10, but... Um, you know, the, what, what I found and what I, what I found out recently was that Adam.io um, actually has pretty good markdown support. It doesn't show you the preview in real time, but it does have a preview of your markdown. Um, so I, I did install Adam, and I've been using that because it's just a darn good editor, and it has the markdown preview. And I assume at some point Visual Studio Code will have that, and I'll probably just switch over to that. But for the time being, I'm using I'm using Adam for my Markdown, and then you don't get any of the nags for money or anything like that. Like I would happily pay for Markdown Pad if if I was if I was going to keep using it. Um, but I think Adam does um, does a really nice job too. Um, some key things that I use uh, GitHub for Windows. Um, and the, one of the only reasons I put this on the list is a lot of people just don't don't even realize that they have the the tools for Windows and. And I know we, we talked to Phil Hack a long time ago, and, um, you know, the software is really mature. It's really, really, really high quality, and it works the way that you think it should. So for really simple Git-type uh, uh, operations, it works really good for that. Like if you want to just, you know, clone a repo 
um, change some files, and then check them back in. Like GitHub for Windows works really good for that. And when something goes wrong, it usually does a pretty good job of saying, hey, something went wrong, here's how you fix it. Uh, so that, that's what I really like about it. I've, I've actually, uh, I, I just like the visibility that it gives me. Um, let's see here. Um, I did want to talk browsers because I'm, I'm, I know that uh, I know you use a variety of browsers too, but I did want to mention that I use, um, I, I do primarily use Chrome and there's a couple of features. And I keep talking to the Edge team and I've given them my feedback like, you know, to get these features into Edge so that I can use that. But um, for, for pretty much all my personal and most of my work use, I use, uh, I use Chrome. Um, and then for anything that's like strictly work, I typically use IE. And the reason I do that is I'm logged in generally with my live ID in Chrome and with my organizational ID in Internet Explorer. So basically my 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 work ID. And it's nice because, um, you know, if I need to access like Office 365 or anything like that, I just open up IE and it works really good for that. Um, and I'm already pre-authenticated. Uh, we talked about Buffer. We talked about LastPass. Those are kind of the key extensions that I use. Uh, in Visual Studio, the only extension that I that I want to add there is uh, ReSharper. Um, I'm a huge ReSharper fan, and it, it does a lot. Although, admittedly, I don't know these days how much of that functionality is actually in the base version of Visual Studio. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell what, what I'm missing. Um, but ReSharper is just absolutely incredible because it, it not only tells you that something is wrong, it just says like, hey, and I, I think this is how you should fix it. And then you just push a button and it fixes it for you. And 99% of the time, it actually does the right thing. Um, another tool that I use is uh, Snagit. So if we're taking screenshots, uh, this tool works really, really well. It works better than like the snipping tool that's in Windows because uh, it'll actually snap to a window or snap to different controls within, within an application. It's hard to explain, but it works really good. And it also keeps kind of a history of, of the things that you've took screenshots of, which I found um, handy. Um, I use Office quite a bit. I know it's kind of a kind of a boring pick here, but um, you know I'm in Outlook pretty much all day, and or I shouldn't say pretty much all day, but I you know it's open all day, and it's super powerful. Uh, so I'm on Out- Outlook uh, 2016. It works really well, and I'm anxiously awaiting you know the the modern versions of those apps. Uh, OneNote, I couldn't live without OneNote. That's how we run the show. That's how I run like pretty much everything that I do. And another one that that people sort of have a love-hate relationship with is Visio, and I use that a lot for, for diagramming. And it actually works just really, really well for that. And you'll see on a lot of my GitHub repositories pictures of diagrams, and I use Visio to create those. Um, one that I've been playing with lately is the Adobe Creative Cloud. Um, I've been using that for doing video editing. Um, it works pretty good for that. Uh, I'm actually still trying to figure out. I, my trial just ended. I think I'm going to pay for it because I use Lightroom a lot. And uh, the video editing, I think I'm going to use uh, more and more often because I have a GoPro. I record video on there, record video on my phone. Um, and it was actually a, not too bad of a learning curve. So I think I'm going to start paying for that every month. So they, they got me hooked. Um, I think that's just about it. Actually, one that I just thought of, Carl, was um, do you still use Battery Bar on your Surface Pro 3? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So that's, that is a tool that I use. It's just Battery Bar, and it's, it's free. Um, and it, it's just it's real nice because it shows you the time and the percentage of battery remaining, and it'll it'll give you a bunch of stats on your battery. So I find it really useful. Uh, okay, one last okay, thing. Go. One last thing that I thought of, um, just because I installed it on my work machine recently, is Metro Studio uh, by Syncfusion. And what that'll do is they've got like a, a few thousand Metro style icons. Mm-hmm. So um, and they have a nice little editor for you to mix and match them and combine them and just kind of get some images 
put together, you know, most likely four icons or tiles or something, but they can be for whatever. You can export them as a XAML path or PNGs, JPEG, whatever you need, essentially. And that's really nice. Um, one, for if you're making apps and you want to make it look a little bit pro- more professional, it's uh, it's an easy way to get something. And it's the license is completely free as well as the price. So that's really nice. Um, and another thing, another use for it is at work, if you're just making like some little admin tool, um, spice it up a bit. Give it an icon. Don't let it just have that default one. Um, that's actually what I did it for is I was just creating an admin tool. I'm like, I- I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to take the the 30 seconds it takes to generate an icon and put it in there. So, yep. Okay. And I don't, I, uh, since I'm, you know, finishing work here and starting my vacation, I did not pick an Azure pick of the week, but you did uh, pick an app of the week. So what is that? Yes. I was actually uh, reached out by the author of this Bailey Stein. And ever since he reached out to me with this, uh, it was about two weeks ago. I, this has replaced my weather app uh, on there. It's called forecaster, the number four C A S T R. And it's a windows phone application. Um, that okay. it's got a really nice polished UI. Um, not only does the main screen look nice, but you kind of swipe up, down and left, right to interact with it. And, uh, a couple of screens down, he has something called the graphical hourly forecast that like at that hour, it puts like the icon of what the weather will be like at that hour. And it puts it in a graph. So if, if you're looking at the temperature, you'll see the, you know, the bar go up and down, but as well as the icon, like, well, it's going to be partly cloudy in 72 and it's going to be sunny in 73 the next hour. So it's kind of cool. And he does the same with the rain and the percentages and all that stuff too. So, um, I really like that. Um, it's free, but there's also paid version to get things like more themes and notifications and a few other things as well. But I, uh, I've really been enjoying it, uh, quite a bit. So check it out. Very cool. And I don't have the card game with me, so we're going to have to skip that. Uh, so anything else before we wrap it up, Carl? No. Um, you know, Jason and I, um, if you're uh, in the Northeast Wisconsin area, we do help run uh, a, a local user group, too. I, I know that's not something that uh, is not everybody knows and not everybody cares about, but it's Northeast Wisconsin Developer User Group. Um, that's us and another, uh, Microsoft MVP, Greg Levenhagen. Um, you know, so if, if you're not there and you don't want to, uh, you know, come check us out, go to your own local user group. Um, uh, yeah, you might not even know it exists. You might, you know, go look. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to somebody who didn't realize that he had one, like a few blocks from him recently (laughs) and, you know, it wasn't ours. It was somebody else's, but you know, the thing is, you know, uh, if you're listening to us, you most likely like to learn. You like to, uh, you know, progress your skills and user groups are a great way to do that and network with people um, who could help you in other ways as well. So just a, just a little okay. personal tip out there, you know, go out there, go to your user group um, network. Um, I have a blast going out to mine, not necessarily because of the content all the time, but I, I really enjoy the people that are that are there. No, that's a great point. So where can people find you online? You can find me online at WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. Okay, and you can find me at YTechie.com or on Twitter at Twitter.com slash YTechie. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at MSDevShow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MSDevShow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 